SDGI Directors and Dialogue presents Dara Byrne talking about his film Parked at Electric Picnic in association with Amnesty International. I mean, it's, it's a huge film. There are huge issues in it. Um, bereavement, drug addiction, homelessness. But uh, I sort of wanted to start off by asking you a bit about the characters because actually, for me, what makes it is the, the, the uh, depiction and the detailed uh, depiction of, of three very human people who are ending up in this situation. So do you want to tell me a bit about um, the three characters and, and, and your thinking behind them? Sure, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, just wanted to... Before I forget, thank um, Amnesty International and Screen Directors Guild of Ireland to, for screening the film here. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, no, uh, I mean, the film really arrived out of, to, to a large extent, my background's in documentary filmmaking, you know. So I'd been involved in, I kind of produced, actually, a documentary film around 2000, way back in 2000, um, about homelessness. It actually was a direct cinema sort of observational film made by Lee McGrath about the follow these two characters in Dublin and it was a very fine film very nice moving depiction of what really was a love story um, of two people who are homeless in Dublin and it kind of occurred to me from that to some degree that uh, that there could be real potential for a feature film to be made um, around the world of homelessness I suppose you know uh, and these characters really were kind of born out of that conscience to a large degree I suppose uh, and I thought it would be interesting to find like a triumvirate of characters that would who were in one way or another parked quite literally you know you have uh, you know the Fred Daly the, the the principal protagonist of the film who literally is stuck in his car not being able to move forward or back he's something of an, an enigma and then you have uh, Cahill O'Regan played by Colin Morgan beautifully depicted by Colin uh, where he's like a, a kind of a uh, an angel on smack really who kind of comes in to salvage uh, Fred's life um, and I think more than anything else as you, as you point out the, the real uh, sort of motivation of the film was a determination to represent characters three-dimensionally in a human manner that uh, avoided stereotypes in this particular world, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully we've we've managed to do that, you know. Yeah, oh, I think, um, as I say, I, just the detail in the characters and the little nuances and the fireworks and, and the sort of little sentences that come out when Carl talks about the fireworks and the leaf and it, yeah, you really do, you sort of feel drawn in because it's their personal stories. Um, you said there your background was in documentary filmmaking. Um, with a feature film, how nice was it to be able to actually control the direct trajectory of the stories? Was that a very big departure? Yeah, no, it was a joy for me, really. I suppose usually I spend a lot of time in ma making documentary films where I'm just kind of going, like, I know what these people are supposed to say, but they're not saying it, you know? So, I mean, documentary filmmaking de demands a very particular kind of perseverance and uh, always, I always say it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's time sort of plus sort of good filmmaking, obviously, that equals, quite, you know, good documentary films. And, uh, you know... I was kind of naive enough to thinking that it would be easy enough to pull make a feature film, but actually, obviously, any the lead time into making any movie is is enormous. So uh, there was quite a journey with Parked uh, from its inception to getting the film made as it sits now, you know, uh, which was a very uh, rewarding and uh, enjoyable journey. But uh, uh, 
hopefully one that I continue to, I suppose, relish and, and being able to... Uh, the film seems to have hit a chord universally. It seems to tell a universal story. It's not a peculiar or particularly Irish story, I don't think, because it seems to translate quite well. I've, I've been at screenings in, uh, you know, from Korea to uh, uh, Boston, you know, and, and it seems to to translate, you know. Well, I think that, and I mean, that struck me as well. It's very much a film at the, which, at the time we're in at the moment, and I, I mean, uh, in terms of the recession and I think what was kind of nice about Fred was that you sort of thought gosh somehow this person's slipping through the cracks and you never expect them to slip through the cracks um, I mean because we are sort of talking about you know t- times are difficult we don't we don't quite know the background and again I like that because you you sort of sweep in and you have three characters you know a bit about their background but you don't over labor the point because it's the here and now but were you sort of trying to make a statement perhaps about the social welfare system or, or, or how the systems work and how it is were you sort of going in with that element because I mean the social welfare character isn't the most <laughs> friendly of sorts yeah that's right actually the ri- Kieran Cray who did a nice job writing this film uh, used to work in a social welfare office so he was quite you know au fait and uh, with the uh, particulars and the technicalities surrounding social welfare and uh, yeah I, I mean I suppose you know to some extent uh, I mean, really, it was about, as you say, kind of parachuting these characters into this uh, postage stamp uh, world of a car park and trying and seeing how Fred in particular would be able to navigate uh, that world. As you say, quite, you know, there's a, a whole backstory to Fred's character and Cahill's uh, and Jules, uh, played beautifully by Milka Alroth. Uh, also, her, her uh, character and her backstory... Uh, isn't uh, fleshed out I mean we tell people what they need on a our sort of need to know basis to some degree but there is, we did actually shoot scenes that are deleted scenes from the movie of Fred's uh, sort of background where he came over from uh, England where where he had lived uh, where he had been actually evicted from, from his house uh, and we ended up deleting the scenes for lots of reasons but particularly because it just seems so much more... It seemed to be holding up the film, particularly in the first kind of 20 minutes, to kind of delve into this, uh, uh, what was sometimes quite a cumbersome backstory. So, I mean, essentially, when you're making a film, obviously, more than anything else, you're, you're trying to tell a good story. Uh, and so, for that reason, a lot of those uh, peculiar, you know, particulars to Fred's character were deleted. And I think, to a large degree, it kind of makes you, uh, I suppose a little more hopefully fascinated with Fred's character yeah as you're moving along no and I I, I wear um, I don't really know where honestly we're campaigning this weekend actually about the rights to housing so it was particularly apt to be showing this film and we're talking about the, the there is actually a human right to housing and I think often people don't realise that, that that is a human right uh, we're talking about sort of the slums and, and how people are being evicted from the slums and we have a replica outside but what struck I know our researchers it was the particularly there were Roma slums in Italy was how people had made this make uh, you know, makeshift homes, really homely, with the little touches. And of course, Fred does that with his plants, and you know, with his making sure that it's clean and, and tidy. But being able to, and what we found quite powerful as well, is is finding stories to tell. And we're showing short videos of people's lives in the, living in the slums because people take those stories away and and remember them. Um, and are you? I was just wondering what you were hoping that the audience might take away from this film yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh- to a large extent, I mean, things, little details that were very important, things like, you know, Fred 
having his little money plant at the back of his car and the, the sort of, you know, the little dig, the dignity he showed, uh, sort of the importance of that for him within his routine. I mean, he's someone who's been reduced to a, a series of routines to kind of get through his day, you know? Um, and I think those kind of human dimensions or particulars rather in the film are something that people seem to take to because the, there is a perspective to, the, to that that they mightn't always either think about or see so that, in other words, it, it kind of makes the characters a little bit more human, uh, which I think is just so vital. I think so often there's a uh, quite a black and white view to to the whole world of homelessness kind of generally, you know? Uh, so, so I think that was, you know, as I say, uh, there was a strong determination to try and offer a fresh perspective on that to some degree or allow people into a world where, sure, there were being hopefully they were enjoying warm fresh charming characters but also that, that somehow it would resonate with an audience that they'd be sucked into this world and ultimately maybe go home thinking a little bit more about uh, the, these characters and their particular uh, plight and what they might have to endure because they are all I mean Colin Morgan playing Cal and Cal's character in general is it was very important that he would be a sympathetic character and you know not as I say a stereotypical junkie Uh, you know there were so many different uh, potential layers to his character ultimately obviously it's revealed that uh, he had difficulties at home he you know he was you know he was a heroin addict he his father, you know, uh, while it isn't explicit in the in the film, the reality of the backstory of his character was that he would have been his father would have thrown him out of the house, and he would have had no option but to live, you know, to live in his car. So, uh, you know, uh, hopefully there are things that, uh, as I say, when you're offering that third dimension to uh, uh, characters, it'll be insightful for people, you know. Yeah, and, and as I say, you, you do remember you remember Carhol and you were, and it's great by putting a face on a drug addict and then like you say people going well instead of going all, all general sweeping statements are often what can undo society say well that's a group of people and by bringing out that humanity in the individual in each of the individual stories um, you kind of it does make you sort of think of it in a different way what type of um, I mean I was thinking was as a filmmaker and sort of a human rights issues what do you think filmmaking can bring to human rights I know you've sort of answered it there <laughs> yeah well I mean I always think like it was very important for me in the making of this film from the outset to I think the the there's a di- there's kind of difficult terrain here in a way because you know I think that if people try and make issue based films particularly with drama documentary obviously you're in factual domain there and you know everyone knows what they're signing up to at the outset uh but when people go and see a movie uh you know obviously they're you know they're going to be enticed and uh rewarded by a story first and foremost and that's what they're going to be sucked into so it's a real job for a filmmaker not to bash them over the head with the issue you know and i think oftentimes what happens when people try and make issue based films is that the issue gets in the way of the story or the story gets in the way of the issue or whatever way it is so it's a difficult balance to kind of try try and find uh you can only hope i think as a filmmaker certainly from my my point of view i first and foremost i'm i'm interested in the characters i'm interested in the story and if out of that you you manage to 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 provoke and stimulate thoughts surrounding a particular issue in this case the ones you pointed out homelessness drug misuse etc bereavement uh, and so on then 
that's brilliant, you know, if, if you can get to that place, you know. Uh, but I think if you go, if, if certainly I feel if you set out to kind of make a kind of a, a film that is an issue-based film or something, uh, for me it's kind of the cart before the horse kind of thing, you know. No, that makes sense. I just wanted to, as we've got an audience, I wanted to see if anyone perhaps wanted to ask any questions of Dara about the film. There's a hand up in the back. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice question. Um, it was very, it was you know, it was very intense, really. I suppose it was, uh, it was I think it was one of our last days filming, and uh, you know, at that point, I think you know, uh, um, I think that Fred's character at that point was. I know that um, you know, the Colomini was very, very determined to uh, nail that performance, and I think he did a very good job. You know. Uh, uh, you know, and and uh, I think you know we shot the scene. I remember in in a house um, just there. Where was it again? It's some time ago now. I'm trying to take myself back to that room. Uh, it is, uh, you know, I think we did about four or five takes, and uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was the silences were saying so much that we just let the scene play out and let the actors really enjoy the space and. Uh, and as you as you say, uh, you know, hopefully the the performances speak for themselves. You know, I'm sorry, I, I can't really offer you any further insight into the actual scene itself. I'm trying to actually remember, in my own mind, uh, how that or the reality, if you like, of filming that scene. Uh, is it, was there any? Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I do. Know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was. I mean, Stuart Graham is an um, incredibly good actor as well, who played George and, and Colm. They're they're two seasoned actors, you know. And the material was so good, and it's kind of, you know, uh, it's kind of a postscript to the film. In in many ways, it's like you know, uh, something of a prologue. But there's so, but it's so important the emotional material there and the connection between Fred and Carl and Carl's father. And the watch and the meaningfulness of giving the watch uh, to to uh, to George and so on. That yeah, you could you could very much hear a pin drop or anything else. I think everyone in the room when we were filming it knew there was it was quite a special scene. You know, uh, it's quite a long scene, and and we we uh, we try we tried and tried to cut it actually lots lots of times. Um, in the in the composition of the film, generally, I don't mean cut the scene altogether, but it was even longer. Uh, so I, I mean, I, you know, I quite like giving actors a lot of room to work and pacing being sort of really important therein, and and uh, they really enjoyed that scene. There's no doubt about that. Those guys, they did a great job. It was easy for me to just sit back and watch it happen beautifully, you know.
Yeah, well, as in with any film, like casting is paramount, is sort of critical to everything. Um, you know, uh, there was long lists for playing. We wanted to cast the film around uh, Fred, Fred Daly's character. So Colm Meany, um, what happened was I met Colm uh, in Majorca and over in his house, and we spent a, a couple of days and long nights and too many whiskeys uh, talking about Fred and his character. And he seemed to have a really strong affinity with the character immediately, you know. In fact, uh, oddly enough, uh, you know, one of the, the sort of touchstones for him was that he felt, you know, Fred's character was slightly autistic, which I, I immediately uh, sort of related to in the context of the character, which is a kind of a uh, complex one. But, I mean, in many ways, you know, Fred's character is grappling all the time with uh, time. He's quite literally trying to fix time. As an ex-jeweler, he's kind of obsessed with these with watches and stuff like that. And so it was... Uh, it, often people who are homeless, a lot of the time, you, you know, have a really uh, odd, dislocated relationship with time. So uh, uh, Colm seemed to understand that, and uh, we sort of built on that and grew the character kind of out of there. And, of course, Colm was also... Very, uh, very particular and obsessed. We chose lots and lots of pairs of glasses for for Colm uh, before he settled on the ones he wore in the film. That was uh, very important. But to answer your question, really, in terms of the bringing the two characters together, Colin Morgan, who anyone might know, plays Merlin on the BBC TV series, uh, was uh, he was he was an easy choice in a way because we did we did a lot of we cast Colm to begin with and then it was the task of find, trying to cast uh, Carl uh, and a lot of people read for the part and uh, it wasn't really quite getting there and uh, Colin came in to an audition in London and just nailed it immediately he just uh, without he he uh, he was you know Carl O'Regan uh, instantly and he's a very intense uh, actor very very talented actor I think we'll, we'll see a lot more of him and um and instantly, I suppose, when we brought Colm and Colin together in in Ireland, just for about a, only about a week before we started shooting, there was a kind of an instant rapport. The guys got on really well. We did some. We rehearsed a, a, a reasonable amount, not too much, and um, and I, the rest is on screen, really. You know, I, I shouldn't leave out Jules, played by Milka Alroth, who was a very difficult part to cast in. You know, the as I say, it's kind of a triumvirate of characters that are somewhat influenced by filmmaker Thomas McCarthy, who made The Station Agent and The Visitor. Uh, he kind of tends to look at a kind of a triumvirate of characters. And the Jules part was, quite frankly, quite not exactly the most, shall we say, animated uh, part on the page in script. So we needed a really strong performance from some some actress to really make the film work. And I think Milka uh, Alroth did a great job with very little on the page and brought a huge amount to the role, you know. Was there anyone else? Have any questions? Oh. So I just wanted to actually close with my last question was, uh, I mean, it's, I, mean, I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, I think you drew out some three incredible performances from the actors. Say so we've talked about the huge themes, but I just wondered in, in, the, in the sort of you've, taking it on uh, around and it's been around for a while what's been your favorite bit of audience feedback or or that you've read about the film that you kind of thought yes that's yeah. that's a nice question um 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it it never ceases to amaze me, for, you know, in any of the screenings of the film ar around the world, which has been great, as you say, the film's been screened in festivals around the world and uh, in most continents, I think, at this stage. So, uh, it, it, nothing, uh, in terms of anything really standing out, I do remember being in a very large uh, theatre in Pusan, at the Pusan Film Festival in Korea, and they're very into their films in Korea, you know. Uh, and it was just incredibly rewarding and refreshing um, to sit in a theatre, a, a very large theatre in, in Korea, in Busan. And the most kind of incredibly insightful, interesting questions coming from the audience that I'd never encountered. Uh, and they just loved the film. And it was just, you know, really a really, really warm... Uh, as I say, generally speaking, all of the screenings of the film have always had a warmth, I think, to them, and, and the film's been warmly received, I suppose, kind of generally, and, and that, as a filmmaker, is incredibly rewarding, you know? Uh, so, I mean, nothing, they've all been great, including this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so thanks very much to, to Amnesty International and Screen Director Guild of Ireland. It's been nice to come down and screen the film, yeah? Thank you ever so much, Dara. Thank you so much for your all time. Right, thank you. Thank you for listening to SDGI Directors and Dialogue. We would like to thank our sponsors, the Irish Film Board and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.